Is there a desire in you to not just attend revival, but live in revival? Welcome to the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Saldivar. I've been in revival for the last 10 years, as well as traveling and being a part of many revivals throughout the United States. I'm going to be sharing with you how to live a radical lifestyle of revival on a daily basis. And I don't think as Christians, we fully understand and we fully know our potential that we have in Christ against the plans of the enemy, the true power. I don't think we understand the true power that God has given us, the true authority that Jesus has given us over the plans and the strategies of the enemy. And I can't tell you enough that you are not below you are above you're not beneath you're not weak you're not anemic you're not detached you're not far off hello matt cruz but you are above every power every principality every assignment and this is your calling this is your calling to do deliverance this is your calling to lay hands on the sick this is your calling to preach the gospel i know many of you think it's somebody else's calling or you think it's a pastor's calling or leader's calling but i want to tell you here today that this is your assignment so if you are a believer you can't get out of this you can't scratch this off you can't put this to the side you can't say well that's not that big of a deal because this is the commandment jesus has given us to do the work that jesus did it's not optional it's not his suggestion it's his commandment and we have way more power in christ than we know or we realize so many of you i constantly hear about how you're afraid of a witch or a warlock or christians are afraid of being cursed or a warlock attacking them or a witch attacking them but they don't understand that they have more power they have more power than the witch than the warlock satan you know it's always like satan's doing this or satan's doing that and and that may be true at times, but I want you to understand is it doesn't matter what witch, it doesn't matter what warlock, it doesn't matter what demonic spirit, it doesn't matter what demonic stronghold, it doesn't matter what rank, it doesn't matter what strength, what level, how wicked a spirit is, how wicked a person is, you have more power than them in Christ. So you have more power. You're in a different weight class than those that are trying to come against us. We did have witches come on yesterday and they went in the bathroom, locked themselves in there and they were doing a whole bunch of nasty stuff in the bathroom and then they left. And let me tell you what they did. They did absolutely nothing. It did nothing. What could stop the power of God? What can stop the move of God? Come on, help me preach tonight. What can stop the power of the Holy Spirit from moving? You think a demon can stop the presence of God? You think a witch could stop the presence of God? You think a principality or power can stop the power of God? No one can stop what the Holy Spirit is doing in this generation. Nobody can stop the power of God that is going forth in this generation. And I want you right now to prophesy over yourself and say, I I have more power than I realize that God has given me all power and God has given me all authority. Jesus, oh man, this is good preaching tonight. Jesus did not withhold his power when he gave you authority over demonic spirits. Jesus did not give you a junior he didn't give you a 0.5%. You don't need a software update for the Holy Spirit. You don't need a new Holy Spirit. The same Spirit, I'm going to show you this in Scripture, that raised Christ is living on the inside of you. So if you want to be effective in deliverance, a huge mistake we make is not knowing our identity, not knowing our power, not knowing what's living on the inside of us and the power that we have. And if you don't let the Bible tell you who you are, you're going to let the world tell you who you are. The world wants to tell you that you're weak. It 
wants to tell you that you're powerless. It wants to tell you that you have no authority. It wants to tell you that you can't do anything for God. But God says, I want to give you power. I want to give you authority. The word of God says, I've been given all power. And just help me out because my camera's messing up here. So just pray that this continues to work. I want to give you all power. I've given you all authority. So don't let the world make you think you're weak. Don't let the world make you think you're a loser. Don't let the world make you think you're some grasshopper and some weak, anemic Christian. You have to understand that the word of God says that you are more than a conqueror in Christ. So if you don't understand what the Bible says about you, you'll believe what the world says about you. If you don't understand the authority Jesus gave you, you're going to believe the devil when he tells you you don't have the power that you think you have. How much longer are you going to keep letting demons tell you your identity? Come on, help me preach Holy Ghost. How much longer are you going to let religious people try to tell you that you can't do what God has called you to do? How much longer are you going to let depression tell you who you are? How much longer are you going to let anxiety tell you who you are? How much longer are you going to let fear tell you who you are? You need to let fear know that fear is not the author of your story. Anxiety is not the author of your story. Depression is not the author of your story. Addiction is not the author author of your story. You have the power of Almighty God living on the inside of you. You have the authority of God on the inside of you. You've been given power. So if you don't recognize this, if you don't stop walking around defeated, walking around weak, you'll never have all that God wants you to have. You'll never have all that God ordained you to have. There is more. Come on, type this in chat. There's more than you realize. You need to be more convinced about what Jesus has said about you than what demons say about you. You need to be more convinced in the power of God than in the power of Satan. I don't know why we have so much faith in Satan. We have so much faith in demons. But we, we lack our faith in God. It's like we never doubt Satan. We're always like, Satan's doing this. Satan's doing that. We've never doubted the existence of Satan. But then when it comes to God, we're like, well, I don't really know about that. I don't really know if God's that real. I don't know if God really has the best intentions for me. And it's like we see Satan's hand in everything, but we don't realize that God's hand is stronger than Satan's hand. He's not weak. His arm is not weak. His hand is not weak. Friend, once you realize that God has triumphed over darkness and put his spirit on the inside of you, you'll start doubting Satan's power and believing God's power instead of doubting God's power and believing Satan's power. It is time as the body of Christ, we have more faith in what Jesus did on the cross than what Satan's doing in our marriage. We have more faith in what, come on, I'm coming strong tonight, in what Jesus did on the cross than what Satan is doing in our churches. We have more faith in what the Holy Spirit's doing in our life than what Satan is doing in America. You need to believe that God's power is greater. You need to stop giving the devil so much authority. Now, does the devil have power? Of course the devil has power. Is the devil real? Absolutely. Is he the God of this world? Absolutely. But you need to know that he's on a leash that his power is finite and the power of God is infinite. So when you understand that, you'll start walking in a new level of authority. Satan only takes what you give him access to. So if you're like, why is Satan taking, taking, taking from me? It's because you're giving him access to take from you. Satan only can control areas of your life that you've given him the ability to control. Satan cannot read your mind. That is not scriptural. For all you that's like, the devil and the demons are reading my thoughts, reading my mind. The devil cannot read your mind, but he can hear what's coming out of your mouth. And when you're always speaking curses and negative things, and you know, I'm this way, I'm always gonna be this way, it's never gonna change. 
and I'm always going to be in poverty and I'm never going to get ahead and I'm never going to do deliverance. I'm never going to get healed. I'm never going to lay hands on the sick. God can never use me and I'm always going to be like this and I'm always going to look like this and talk like this and act like this and I'm never good enough. Satan hears your words. Demonic spirits. When I say Satan, I'm talking synonymously about demonic spirits. Demonic spirits hear your words and they play into your weaknesses. So stop giving the devil strategy against you. Stop giving the devil intel against you. Stop giving the devil keys and access to you. In fact, in Ephesians 4, 27, it says this, do not give place for the devil. Don't give the devil, let me paraphrase it, anywhere to live in your life. He wants to take up residence in your life and you need to make sure that you don't give him any place. If there's somewhere where you see him trying to inch in, you need to rebuke him. You need to come against him. You need to get rid of anything in your life where Satan is trying to move into. If there's something in your life giving place for the devil, get rid of it remove it i'm not talking legalism i'm talking wisdom if there's a relationship giving place to the enemy remove the relationship if you're in an ungodly relationship and the devil has room in that relationship then you need to get rid or get out of that relationship if there's an item in your home there's an item that you're wearing a necklace a bracelet something that's giving the devil a place to dwell a place to live giving a spirit a legal right you need to get rid of that item i know religion's not going to tell you this because religion's only about the outside but god is wanting to change the things in the spirit realm that you're not even aware of so get rid of these things that give place to the enemy if there's a hobby that is giving place to the enemy, then you need to get rid of the hobby. There is nothing in my life worth having that gives place for demonic spirits, that gives place for demonic powers. So you need to let the enemy know you're moving out in Jesus' name. There is no, you wanna get delivered, you need to let the enemy know there's no room for you. There's no room for you in my mind. There's no room for you. There's no place for you according to Ephesians 4. There's no place for you in my marriage. There's no place for you in my children. There's no place for you in my business. There's no place for you in any area of my life. It's time for you to get out. I'm going to go through every area of my life and I'm going to rid it of any demonic power of any demonic spirit and I'm going to recognize that I can't try to deliver or cast out something that I'm sharing room with, that I'm sharing property with, that I'm giving room in my life. You need to get rid of it and make sure there's no room for Satan. You need to get full of the Holy Spirit, full of God and realize that my body is not my own. My body and my eyes are full of light and I'm not allowing darkness to come into my life because the enemy will use anything to try to get you off the path of God. Yes, he'll use hobbies. Yes, he'll use relationships. He'll he'll send people into your life. He'll send people to bring distraction. He'll send people to bring division. The devil will send people to discourage you. He'll send people to wear you out. Do you know there's people in your life right now that are wearing you out, that are actually sent by the enemy to drain you of everything that God has given you? And these are the people I tell people all the time, if somebody, they keep wearing you out and they're draining you and they're just over and over, deliverance, deliverance, I need this, I need this, I need, I need, I need. You need to remove those people out of your life. They might be an assignment from the enemy to come and try to drain you. The devil will send relationships 
to try to get in the way of your walk, to try to get in your way of your relationship with God. The devil will use, if the devil could use Judas, if the devil could use Peter, if the devil could fill Ananias according to Acts chapter 5, don't you think that the devil is filling people around you and using them to hinder you? And I pray that the Lord would reveal everyone in your life that the enemy is using against you. I pray that the Lord would highlight who are the people that I need to get rid of, that I need to get out of my life, that are actually assignments from the enemy? How many of you know people that were on fire for God, that were doing the work of God, and then the moment they met that guy, the moment they met that girl, the moment they got in that relationship, the moment they got around that friend group, the moment they got around that, per that person, they lost the fire. They lost the passion. They lost their desire to be in prayer. They lost their desire to fast. They lost their desire to live holy. That's because the person was assigned by the enemy. It was a plan of the enemy. So maybe it's not just a demon that I need to cast out. Maybe it's a person I need to cast out of my life. Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to divide mother from father. I came to bring division. Who is my family? Jesus said, but those that do the will of my father. He said, let the dead bury the dead. If you're still trying to go back and do that, you're not worthy of following me. Friend, this is a radical gospel that Jesus is preaching. This is not some soft gospel. There is no room in our lives for the devil. If we're going to be effective deliverance ministers, we need to stop making the mistake of thinking that we're powerless or weak and letting these people that are toxic in our lives, letting these people that are assigned from the enemy, we need to have spiritual eyes to recognize this is an attack of the enemy. This is a plan of the enemy. Luke 9, 1 says, Jesus called the 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority to drive out all demons, all demons. So you don't have power over some demons. You don't have power over half the demons. You have power over all demons, according to Luke 9, 1, and to cure diseases. And I know people are not going to tell you this. Most pastors won't tell you this. And then it says, and then he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal those that were sick. So understand before Jesus even sent them out, he gave them authority and power over demonic spirits. He also gave them power to cure diseases. Then he sent them out to preach the gospel and to heal the sick. So when we're walking in our Christ-given authority, God does not give us power and authority when we're doing deliverance. God gives us power and authority before we do the deliverance. So it's not like, Lord, I need you to do this right now. It's I'm giving it to you before you even do it. So before you even start casting out your first demon, before you even engage in spiritual warfare, God has given you all power and all authority that you're going to need. So stop thinking that you need something special. And I know I'm, I'm going to make some friends of mine mad and some, some religious people mad here, but you don't need their mantle to cast out demons. Come on, type this in the chat. You don't need their anointing. All this talk about, we need this anointing. We need that anointing. We need this anointing. I don't see that in scripture. What I see is Luke 9, 1. You've been given all authority. You've been given all power to drive out demons, not a mantle, not a special spiritual covering, not a special gifting or a special office or a special voice of God. I hear this all the time. The most asked question, how do I know if I'm called for deliverance ministry? It, I'll tell you how you know. You're a, you're a Christian. If you consider yourself a believer, 
and a Christian, then you are called for deliverance ministry. And you have too many people trying to tell you that you're not ready, that you're not prepared, that you need their mantle. You don't need Isaiah Saldivar's mantle. All you need to do is believe what the word of God says, that you've been given power and authority, that you have the Holy Spirit that has all power and all authority. So understand that Jesus has already given you this power, past tense, not present, not, oh Lord, give me the power, give me the authority. I'm already ready to deal with demons at any moment. I'm prepared. So don't make the mistake that I have to do something to get ready. Now, do you need to have a prayer life? Of course. Do you need to live a life of fasting? Yes. Do you need to live a life of holiness? Of course. These are all things that I know that you know, but you don't need something extra to be able to have power over demons. You've already been given the power that Christ has given you. So when you're walking in your God-given authority, you're not gonna need to cling on or need something special from a man or a woman of God because you're gonna understand that you've already given from Christ what you need. You don't need to buy it from Isaiah. This whole garbage of, oh, sow this much money and God will do this for you or sow this much money and God will deliver you or sow this much money and I'll pray. This is all trash. This is all garbage. This is us trying to add extra things. You don't need extra things. You've already been given the power and authority. You don't need to buy it from another ministry. That's like Simon the Sorcerer. He was trying to buy the anointing. And the disciples said, let your money be destroyed with your thinking. Thinking that you can buy the power of God. Thinking that you can buy the presence of God. You can't buy this. This is freely given. When Jesus sent them to cast out demons and to heal the sick, he said, freely that you've been given, freely give. So do this for free. Don't charge people. He even said, don't take money with you. Don't take gold coins or silver coins because I want you to go do this freely. Bring this to people. They need it. I've done it for free for you. Friend, the night I got delivered, the night I got saved, the night I got healed, God did not say, give me $100 so I can do this. God did not say, give me $30. God did it for me for free. God freely did it for me. Again, I'm not talking about those that make a living. I'm talking about thinking you need to do something special to get something special when Christ has already, and I'm stepping all over toes here. I hope you are still toe boots. When Christ has already given you the power that, G, that, you, that you need has already been given to you in Christ. So we don't need to beg for what God has already given us authority to do. We don't need to pray for God to deliver people. He told you to do it. We don't need to, you know, he didn't tell the disciples, I want you to pray as you go, pray for me to deliver people. He said, I've already anointed you and I've already called you to do it. So you don't need a special prayer. You don't need a special word. You don't need a special wisdom or knowledge or something from somebody or some ministry. You need to believe the Bible. And when we, when you go out, you don't need to say, Lord, please deliver this person. God, please deliver this person. He said, I've given you according to Luke 9, 1, power and authority. So you can go do it. When the disciples came back, they said, even the demons obey us. They didn't say even the demons obey you. They said, even the demons obey us in your name. So they weren't praying like, Lord, please. Now there's many times I pray, Lord, deliver this person because I, I want all the help I could get. But biblically, Jesus gave us power. So we don't need to beg the Holy Spirit to do what God has told us to do. This is a cop-out. We're like, Lord, deliver, 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 heal this person. And God's like, I want you to do it. I want you to step out. Don't use prayer, I'm dropping bombs tonight, as a cop-out to not do what God's called you to do. Let me say that again. Don't use prayer as a cop-out to not deliver people, to not pray for people, to not lay hands on people. These are, we say, Lord, just do this, do the work in them. And God says, you do the work in them. I've given you the Holy Spirit. He's not the doer, he's the helper. And he wants to help you to do the work of the ministry. 
So many of us are praying as a cop-out. Now, we need more prayer. We need to pray about everything. The Bible says pray about everything. It says pray without ceasing. It says pray in the spirit at all times. So we need all the prayer we can get, but we don't need to pray that God would do what he already told us to do because he's like, I are, why are you asking me for something I've already given you? And that's why John 14, 12 says, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. So Jesus said, I'm going to have you do not just what I've done, but I'm gonna have you do even greater things because I'm leaving you and I'm giving you my Holy Spirit so that you can do the greater works. And I know a lot of pastors and preachers, I've already heard them. They say, oh, it wasn't really literal. And you know, it was talking about greater numbers and it wasn't talking about miracles and deliverance and doing the works of Jesus. I read the text and the text says, you're gonna do what I've been doing and even greater things than I've been doing. So I have to believe the text over some religious pastor that doesn't heal the sick, doesn't cast out demons, doesn't do exploits, and is trying to talk me out of the miracle power of God. Be very careful about people that try to talk you out of the miracle power of God. Be very careful around people that try to talk you out of deliverance. Jesus said, if you believe, whoever believes in me will do greater works. So what is the issue? What is the issue of us not doing these things? It's not a God issue. God is not our problem. It's a belief issue. It's simply because we do not believe. We don't believe. This is why we're not doing greater works. Why are we not doing the works Jesus did? Because we don't believe. If we are leaders and pastors and we're not doing the works that Jesus did in greater, it's not, don't start making theologies saying, well, you know, now everyone has a demon brother and it's not really that big of a deal and we don't have to emphasize on it. It doesn't have to happen in the church. Just be honest, be honest with us. You don't believe, you don't have faith, pastor, be honest. Stop lying to your congregation and say, oh, we're just not into that or that's not for today. It might not be for today for you, but it's for today for us, for scripture. It's just that you don't have the faith and you don't believe what the Bible says about the ministry of Jesus. So stop lying and try to sound good and be like, oh, well, it actually means we're gonna have greater numbers. It actually means, we're, and we're speculating. The text says, whoever believes in me will do the works that I've done and even greater works. So stop trying to religious your way, religiosity your way around not doing deliverance. The issue is not God. The issue is we don't believe. And Mark 16, 17 echoes this. It says, these signs shall follow them that believe. So our prayer needs to be, Lord, help our unbelief. God, help us when we doubt. Help us when we don't believe. Help us when we don't understand. It takes humility to say, Lord, help my unbelief. Religious, prideful, arrogant pastors and leaders and Christians are not going to say, Lord, help my unbelief. I pray this all the time. God, help me. I want to know you more. I want to do the works that you've done. I want to set the captives free. I want to see people healed. I want to see people saved. I want to see people delivered. I don't want to be a bench warmer. I don't want to be a water boy for your kingdom. I don't want to be a spectator that has criticism, but doesn't have your power and conviction. I want to get on the field and do the works. So imagine if pastors in America, instead of being so prideful and arrogant and trying to preach away miracles, preach away deliverance, preach away revival, they realize that they're not seeing these things in their churches and in their life because of their unbelief. See, what pride will do is pride will not let you acknowledge your unbelief. Pride will not let you acknowledge that you're wrong. Pride will not let you acknowledge that you need freedom. It will not let you acknowledge that for years you've been demonstrating and preaching a partial gospel. This is a major mistake. Pride letting 
pride getting in the way and make and and letting you know, letting you think that you know it all, letting you think like you don't need deliverance, you don't need breakthrough. I'm constantly like, Lord, if I need deliverance, deliver me. I have no shame in my deliverance game. I'll call up a friend, I'll call up a family, cast these critters out of me because I don't have pride to salvage. I don't have any pride, I'm broken, I'm weak, I'm tired. I'm, I'm, I'm saying, Lord, I just, just before I went live, I almost was in tears saying, Lord, I'm broken, I'm tired, I'm weak, I have not, this is what I said to God. I have nothing to offer your people. I need you to empower me tonight. I need you to fill me with your Holy Spirit tonight. I need you to heal me tonight. I need you to deliver me tonight. Come on, this is the daily prayer. Deliver us from evil. Lord, I need you. I'm not talking about you, Isaiah Saldivar. Now, what pastors do you even know that would even acknowledge that? That would even acknowledge that they're wrong or they don't know it all. And I'll be the first one to say, I don't know it all. I'm learning every single day. I'm reading books. I'm studying. I'm praying. I'm studying scripture. I'm learning as I'm putting out daily content. I'm learning, but it takes a humble spirit. It takes a humble spirit. God can't use arrogant people. And I don't ever want the Holy Spirit to lift off of me. I don't ever want the Holy Spirit to say, Isaiah, you're too arrogant. You're too prideful. You're too much of a know-it-all. You think you know it all? I don't know anything. The only thing I claim to know is like Paul said, is Christ and Christ crucified. That's all I claim to know. So you need to realize this is what God is looking for. He's looking for you to say, Lord, help my unbelief. I'm tired of being this way. I'm tired of being wrong. I want you to open up my eyes. Now, if you're arrogant, prideful with your arms crossed, don't expect deliverance to happen in your life. Don't expect you to ever cast out demons. Don't expect demons to obey you. In fact, let me make this statement. Demons scoff, demons laugh, and demons poke fun at prideful Christians. I've watched arrogant, prideful pastors and leaders and Christians try to cast out a demon, and the demon laughs at them, the demon doesn't listen to them, the demon doesn't respond because demons could sniff out pride from a mile away. Demons can tell where there's pride, and if there's pride in our life, the demons are not going to listen to us. The Bible says that God resists the proud. So if you're arrogant or prideful trying to come in Jesus' name, you're not authorized. You are unauthorized, and you do not have the authority that Jesus Christ. So humility is the way. Humility is the way to deliverance. It is the way to being equipped. And what you're going to notice about Jesus is he didn't just preach deliverance. He didn't just preach the kingdom. He didn't just preach miracles. He demonstrated it. So you have to understand if we call ourselves Christians, we need to do what Christ did. John 20, 21. Again, he said, he said, again, he said, peace be with you. As the father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive, now I want you to notice what Jesus says in John 20, 21. He says, if you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. And if you do not forgive them, they're not forgiven. This is Jesus telling the disciples how much power they have in God. Jesus is saying to the disciples, the same way that the Father has sent me to bring the world healing, to bring the world wholeness, to bring the world deliverance, I'm now sending you out to go do the very same thing. You are to be Christ on the earth. That's what you're called to be. That's what you've been anointed to be. So don't look at yourself as some weak, anemic Christian. You've been anointed. You've been called to be Christ on the earth. Ephesians 1.19 says, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power 
for us who believe him. This is the same power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or any authority or any power or any leader or anything else, not only in this world, but in the world to come. So here, here we see Jesus is far above, far above any ruler or any power or anything else the Bible says. But here's what you need to understand. Jesus is not the only one that's far above. God has actually put you far above every power, principality, and every ruler. Because if you go to Ephesians 2.6, so you go from Ephesians 1.19 to Ephesians 2.6, Ephesians 2.6 tells us, for he, for he has raised us from the dead along with Christ, and he seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with him in Christ Jesus. So raised us from the dead with Christ, but then God says, I'm going to go a step further. I'm going to seat you with Christ in heavenly realms. Now, where's Christ sit seated? We already know that Christ is seated in the place of honor at God's right hand in heavenly realms. So Ephesians 1.19, Christ is seated at the right hand of God in heavenly realms. Ephesians 2.6, we now are seated with Christ. So God does not have to put us and seat us with Christ but God decides to seat us with Christ in heavenly places. So Jesus is above every power, every rule, every principality. And Paul says, now you've been seated above the powers of the enemy. So don't make the mistake to think they kicked us all out. What happened? Someone got kicked out. They said, don't make the mistake of thinking that you are seated up below, that you are not powerful, that you are not strong. I don't know if someone said bots in the chat. There's mods there. They're ready to take care of it. So don't think that you're less than or you're below because you've been seated with Christ in heavenly places and you're seated right now present tense in heavenly realms of Christ above the powers of the enemy. So don't live under if God's put you above. Now, if I am below, now why would I be below powers and principalities and demonic spirits? The only reason why I would be below them is I've, I've put myself below them. The only reason why I would be subject to a demon is if I put myself under the power of a demon because Christ didn't put me there. The power of God didn't put me there. He put me in heavenly places to be united with Christ according to Ephesians 2.6. Now Romans 8.11 says, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead now lives inside of you. And just as God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. So the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is now living on the inside of us. And just as God's raised, God raised Jesus from the dead, he gives life to our mortal body. So we've been given the same spirit. Notice it doesn't say, you know, a weaker spirit, a lesser spirit. It's the same spirit. So don't make the mistake of thinking that you have something weak or a weaker spirit. You have the same spirit that raised Christ is now living on the inside of you. And you're telling me a witch is going to stop you? You're telling me a spell is going to stop you? You're telling me some weak, low-level, chaotic demon is going to stop you? You're telling me some soul tie is going to stop you? You're telling me that you can't help those things around you because there's something too strong for God? You have to realize the spirit in you is greater than the spirits that you're going to war against. So when I'm warring against demonic spirits in deliverance, I'm always right there understanding my spirit which is the Holy Ghost is living in me is stronger. So every time I'm helping myself tonight, every time I encounter a demon, every time I do deliverance, I'm winning. I'm winning right away. It doesn't matter if they're levitating, if they're growling, if they're barking, if they're screaming, I'm automatically winning 
because the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, many times we look at Jesus and say, well, I can't do what Jesus did. I can't do greater works because I'm some weak human. But remember, Jesus came as a man to show us that we're also capable of doing the things that he did. Philippians 2.5 says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. So what is the attitude Christ Jesus had? It tells us in Philippians 2.6, though he was God. So <laughs> I'm not even getting into this. All of you that are like, Jesus wasn't God and he's less than, he was the son of God, but not God. Philippians 2.6, though he was God, Jesus was God. Okay, so though he was God, he did not think equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, Jesus gave up his divine privileges. He took on the humble position of a slave. He was born of a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. This is the attitude that we're supposed to have. We're not some celebrities. Come on, come on, get some ones in the chat going here. We're not some superstars. We're not to be worshiped as pastors or preachers. We're not some special thing. He says, have the attitude of Christ who gave up divine privileges, took off that God nature, put on human flesh, was born of a human being. The Bible says was born as a human being and appeared in human form so that we could understand we can do what Jesus did. So when you read what Jesus did, do not read it as some far detached thing, but understand when you read it that you have the same ability to do this because Jesus gave up that deity to take on humanity, put the servant mindset on, put the servant attitude on, put that spirit on and said, I did not come to be served, but to serve. I didn't come to be ushered into green rooms. I came to serve people. I didn't came for people to kiss my feet. I came to serve people. This is the attitude. So Jesus fully God and fully man gives up his divine privilege, privilege, lives as a man, modeled the life that we're called to live, preach the gospel, healed the sick and cast out demons. Those are what Jesus did. So what is my calling as a Christian to do the works and the greater works that Jesus did as I punch my desk here is preaching the gospel, healing the sick and casting out demons. Yet why is it most believers don't do any of this? And most pastors preach against this. They preach us out of divine nature of God. They preach us out of revelation. They preach us out of doing the works that Jesus did. I don't understand this. Then what are you doing if you're a Christian? What are you doing if you're in Christ? We have this natural gospel that says you don't need to do what Jesus did. But remember, Jesus did not just talk about it. Jesus demonstrated it. He called us to do it. So this is what we need to do as believers, as the sons and daughters of God. Now, I want to go over some specific mistakes that we make in deliverance ministry. What are these mistakes? I'm seeing these all the time, not only in other people doing deliverance, but in myself. Now we have over a thousand people we oversee on the deliverance network. And so I'm responsible. I'm responsible to train, to teach and to help equip all of you. Now I don't call myself an apostle or prophet, none of that. I'm just a humble servant of God, a slave of Christ and of the Lord, a slave of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to show you and teach you and help you so that you can be more effective in deliverance ministry. Now, maybe you're an expert in deliverance. You're like, I already know this. Well, not everybody does. Not everybody is. There's many new people that are coming into the broadcast that have never been trained, that have never been equipped. And I don't understand why in the church we are the only like organization that never reviews anything. 
It's like, I always want something fresh. I always want something new. But God is saying, I want to get you to some of the basic things that have stopped us from doing deliverance ministries. If you have a notebook, if you have a notepad, you can write some of these down. I know Ryan always in the comments, if you don't know, at the end of the video, Ryan always goes and comments in the video, all of the notes that he takes. And they're extremely detailed and they're more notes than even I have. So make sure that you get Ryan's notes after in the comments. He does them to almost every single video. Mistake number one that people make in deliverance ministry. Mistake number one is sticking to one method. Sticking to one method. This is a major, absolute major mistake. Sometimes we see certain methods work or certain ways work when it comes to casting out demons and we get stuck on a certain method or we get stuck saying a specific thing. But you have to understand just because it worked for the last deliverance doesn't mean it's going to work for this deliverance. So you need to treat every deliverance different and don't try to use the same strategy every single time. You need to learn how to adapt and follow what the spirit is doing. Don't criticize other people that are doing certain methods and say, I don't know why they're doing it that way. My way is better or this is how I do it because the way that God is showing them to do it might be different than the way that God is showing you to do it. And you can learn from other people. You can learn from the way other people do deliverance. You can learn other strategies. You can follow other, if something's working for one person, it might work for you. But understand at the end of the day, the Holy Spirit is your guide. If you're taking notes, the Holy Spirit is your GPS in deliverance. He's constantly going to give you new strategies, different strategies, depending on what demon you're going to deal with or how demonized the person is, how strong the demon is, or what setting the deliverance is in. So if a person's in the occult and they're extremely demonized, it's not gonna be the same strategy of someone that has like one demon from watching pornography for like two years, okay? If somebody, if the demon's extremely strong, the strategy I'm used to using, whether it's commanding it to do this or whether it's sending angels to help or whether it's using the blood of Jesus or whether it's making the demon repeat after you or whether it's doing the renouncing, whatever strategy you're using, if the demon's too strong, the strategy might not work. So you might be like telling it to do something and it's not obeying you. Or what, what is the setting of deliverance? If I'm doing altar deliverance, like I did yesterday, I prayed for probably 20 people. I cast out demons out of about 20 people. I'm doing altar deliverance. It's packed out. It's loud. The presence of God is strong in there. I'm not making them renounce and say this. I'm casting the demons out. I'm like, listen, I'm praying for you if you're ready. When I'm doing Zoom deliverances, which I'll probably do again next week, I'm like, we're casting it out. We're not sitting here hour-long session, two-hour session. We're not doing a one-on-one. -on -one. Those are different type of settings that I also believe in, I also like, and I also teach about. But understand the method could change based on the setting. So don't get stuck to a method. Let the Holy Spirit guide you. Nobody has the exact perfect method. Our goal is not to live by a certain method or a certain strategy. Our goal is to get the demons out of the people. Now, one big mistake we make is we judge somebody else's method or we think our method is better than somebody else's method. But what you're going to understand is as you grow in casting out demons, as you grow in deliverance ministry, as you do more deliverances, you're going to find different strategies and you're going to learn new methods. Now, some of you are like, what do you mean new methods, new strategies? You're going to learn once you get into deliverance ministry. You're going to be like, wow, the Holy Spirit instructed me to do something completely different or it was a word of knowledge or it was an act of faith. And this is something completely different than the last deliverance I did. Or maybe you dealt with a spirit of guilt or a spirit of depression or a spirit of Jezebel. And you're like, I know how to get Jezebel out. This always works. But then Jezebel doesn't come out that way. And the Holy Spirit teaches you a new way to deal with the spirit of Jezebel. You'll start getting different strategies for different spirits, 
based on how much you do deliverance. One of the things, give you an example, I've been doing lately that I never used to do before is I've been telling the demons to come up through the throat, out of the mouth, and to go into the abyss and never return. And I've been saying, come out of their mouth. And I'm noticing I'm getting much more results with the way I've been doing it, saying, get out of the mouth. Because demons are very legalistic, very specific, and they need instruction. So I know that God breathed in the Adam with his spirit through his nostrils. So in the spirit goes, out the spirit goes. The word spirit and breath are the same word in Hebrew. So you have to realize that when spirits come out, they oftentimes leave through the mouth. And when you're doing deliverance and you're telling them to come out of the mouth, go into the abyss, oftentimes the demons will start coming out because they're listening to specific instruction. If you're just telling a demon to come out, some demons are, are extra legalistic and they're not just gonna come out because you're not instructing them where to come out of, or they're gonna try to come out of somewhere else and it's gonna be more painful or harder on the person. Many people say, why did Jesus allow the demons to go into the pit to the pigs? No one really knows why he did. One of the greatest, I would say, um, reasons I heard someone say or a scholar say was because the person had so many demons Jesus was sparing the demons from hurting the guy or from being painful when they came out or from being long drawn out process and by letting them go into the animals he didn't have to go back and forth with them because remember the demons were already being disobedient the Bible says Jesus had been commanding the demons to leave the man and the demons weren't leaving so these were stubborn demons so when Jesus allowed the demons to go into the pigs it removed that ability to have to be stubborn and go back and forth with them. So that could be, now I don't recommend doing that. I don't recommend letting demons go into animals. But again, demons did negotiate with Jesus and Jesus said, I'm gonna let you do that. We don't know why, but that's one of the reasons why, because, or one of the reasons that it could be is that the demon was really strong and Jesus wanted to spare the man because it is physically painful sometimes when demons do leave people. So I've been saying that, come out, out through the mouth. You guys have probably heard me say that recently. It's I never used to say that before, and it's been giving me good results because it's a direct command. Now, some spirits do require certain strategies. So if you're dealing with like a stubborn demon, you might need to find the name of it. I would rather not get the name. I would rather not talk to the demon. I would rather the demon just leave. But oftentimes when you tell the demon to leave, it doesn't just leave. Okay, so you might need to get the name of it. You, mean, you might need to make sure the person's renounced something or they've repented of something. You might need to make sure the person vocally says, I don't want you there. This is something that I do in every deliverance, even if it's not like a one-on-one -on -one long session. I vocally make the person say, I don't want you there because the demons are going to try to convince you and trying to convince the person that the person wants them there. Sometimes in dealing with a stronger spirit, you can cast out the weaker spirits. So if you're dealing with a stubborn, strong demon, you could tell or command the demons, I want to speak to the weaker spirit or I want to talk to the weakest demon. Sometimes if you're struggling with a strong demon, by working through the weak demons, you actually weaken the strong demon. So there's times where you have to cast out a bunch of weak, lower ranking spirits. They're not talking, they're not arguing, they're just leaving before you can deal with the strong spirit. Or sometimes you deal with the strong spirit first and then it gets easier as the deliverance goes. Again, these are all different strategies you need to ask the Holy Spirit when doing deliverance because demons work in gangs, they work in groups, and they work together. And they work with each other to try to tire you out. So sometimes I just go right for the strong one and I work with him and it's like you take down the bully and everyone else runs. That's one strategy. But remember, if you're taking notes, deliverance is like a puzzle. There's not always a right order as long as the, it gets solved. That's the goal. The goal is that we solve the fact that they're in bondage and get the demons out. Our goal is not to say, don't do this or do this, or you shouldn't say this or say this. The goal is getting the demon out. So be sure. Now, this is very important. 
Do not listen to people's methods that don't do deliverance. Let me say that again. Do not listen to people's methods that don't do deliverance. A lot of guys, I don't know why this is, they don't do deliverance and because they want views or clicks or following, they want to try to teach on deliverance. So they'll tell you things like, we don't talk to demons. You know, when I cast out demons, don't let the demons talk, just command them to leave. That's coming from a person that doesn't do deliverance. Let me tell you something else they say. Don't let the demons manifest. You know, I never let demons get violent. I never let demons manifest. Weird, because Jesus did have demons manifest. So you're telling me if Jesus had demons manifest, you're stronger or better than Jesus? Or they'll say things like, I just make sure it stays calm and my deliverances are fast. I only let it go for five minutes and in five minutes, all the demons are cast out. Now, sometimes it only takes five minutes. We did a lot of deliverances Sunday that only took five or 10 minutes because the people were ready and the people were prepared and we already did mass deliverance before. So they already renounced, we already did mass deliverance so the demons were ready to go. But these are things people that don't do deliverance say. So make sure that if you're getting your methods or strategies you're getting them from people that have fruit in their ministry and not from people that are unbelieving and don't do deliverance ministry. And a lot of guys will say, oh, I do deliverance, but they don't do deliverance. So just because someone has a large following, just because someone has a name, just because they say they know what they're talking about, doesn't mean they actually cast out demons or know what they're doing. So if you're listening to a preacher and it sounds good, but they don't cast out demons, I don't care if they say they do. I don't care if they're like, oh, I do deliverance. I cast out demons. Um, my thought, my next question is then prove it. I've never seen you do deliverance. I've never heard you or seen you at the altar even, or seen you do a one-on-one -on -one do deliverance. So why are you trying to be the expert of deliverance now, just because you have followers or a name and you're trying to teach everybody about a ministry you know nothing about. It's like having a dentist try to teach you about heart surgery. It's like, bro, stay in your lane. You don't know about deliverance. You don't know what you're talking about. You're making things up because you don't do deliverance. So you're finding scriptures to make the Bible say what you want it to say, not what it actually says. So I'd advise you. I know many of you write me like, what do you think about this? And why did this person say that? And you're, you're writing me about people that don't cast out demons. So I'm like, you don't even have a resume. You don't even have fruit in your life. And you're going to try to tell people that do deliverance how to do deliverance when you don't do it. So be very careful when listening to people that don't have experience in the ministry or don't have experience. Like you're asking a single guy for marriage advice. You're, I, I just don't understand why some of you getting, you're getting so confused because you're listening to people that don't do deliverance. I have people tell me like your method is wrong. This is the method you should do. Don't talk to the demon. It needs to be quick. It's not for believers. Like they'll tell me all of these unscriptural things and they're like, just bash how I do deliverance, right? The Zoom deliverances or the in-person or they're on our TikTok and they're, oh, they're bashing, right? Do this, do this, do this. And then I always ask them, I wanna, okay, sincerely, send me a video of you doing deliverance. I would love to see how you do deliverance. Do you know of all the people, come on, can we get someone in the chat of all the people that have told me I'm so wrong and don't do it this way and why do you talk to them and why does it take you so long and why do you have to command and say it over and over again? Do you know not one person has ever sent me a video? Do you know not one person has ever sent me an actual strategy? Every single one of them are teaching from the bleachers. It's the loudest booze. 
from the cheapest nosebleed seats. Like, bro, you're sitting in the nosebleeds. I'm on the field. I have no voice because yesterday I was yelling at demons. I had a seven-hour flight. I got home at three o'clock in the morning and I got up and prepared this message for you guys today. So don't try to get up and tell me that you're some expert when you have pom-poms in your hands. Come on. I got the football in my arm. I'm running. Am I doing it wrong sometimes? Yes. Am I getting beat up? Yes. Is it? Is it not? Am I learning? Yes. I'm telling you tonight, but don't have pom-poms and be a cheerleader and try to tell me how to throw the ball when you're not even doing the work of deliverance. Just the ones are you just shouting me down and being like, I agree. So we have to be careful from listening to cheerleaders that masquerade as preachers that speak the word, but don't do the word. Because remember, Jesus said, I didn't just preach it. I actually did the work. So stop listening to pom-pom preachers. Stop listening to sugar preachers. These Sour Patch Kid preachers that are like, you know, someone wrote me the other day is like, there's a big radio show that was talking about you and they were talking about deliverance ministry. And I went and looked them up. I'm like, of course they're talking about it. They don't do it. They don't believe in it. Their whole ministry was about psychology and therapy. And you know what? They don't want deliverance because I'll put their therapy business out of business. We'll put their psychology business out of business. So pastors are like, don't do deliverance because then I won't be able to give therapy and charge $200 an hour to counsel people. It's like, we need deliverance. Okay, you guys got me off on a tangent here. We need deliverance. So don't be stuck on a method and don't listen to preachers that are giving you methods that don't even work and they're telling you lies and things they don't even know. Number two, mistake I see in deliverance. If this is good, type one is trying to deliver someone who's not ready or not willing to be delivered. I see this all the time. A family member or a friend will bring someone for deliverance who's not ready for deliverance or does not want the demons to be cast out of them. I constantly tell people, come back when you're ready. Or I'll be praying for people at the altar and someone's like, why did you walk away when they're manifesting? Or why did you stop the deliverance? Or why aren't you doing the deliverance on them? And the answer is very simple. They're not ready for deliverance. I could immediately tell they're living in active sin. There's open doors in their life. They haven't repented. They're not serving God. They're not plugged in anywhere. They're not consistent. They don't read the Bible. They don't pray. They don't fast. So they don't meet the spiritual requirements of being set free and living that lifestyle out. All the people that even came to Jesus for deliverance, they believed in Jesus. The Syrophoenician woman came, said, I need you to deliver my daughter and had faith. Jesus said, I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. So understand that these people believed in Jesus, even the man at the tombs was like, Lord, on his knees, believed in the believed in Jesus, being like, Lord, help me on his knees, worshiping and, pra- and praising God, the Bible says. So you have to realize the boy that brought Jesus, his son, he was like, Lord, I believe you can do it. Help my unbelief. So don't say the people that came to Jesus for deliverance were not believers. The people Jesus delivered in your Bible, these were believers. In Acts chapter eight, the Bible says, Philip preached They heeded, they believed the gospel, they believed his preaching, and then they got delivered. These were believers, they believed, and then they got delivered. So people that get delivered, they need to believe. If they're unwilling, it's extremely hard. And this is why I don't do deliverance on unbelievers. Why I don't preach deliverance for unbelievers? Because they're not willing. Not only do the demons come back seven times worse, yes, it's a biblical principle, but also the demon has a right to be there and the demon doesn't have to leave. So this oftentimes ends up wasting hours and hours trying to convince someone they need deliverance or that deliverance is real. If I need to convince you that you need deliverance or deliverance is real, I'm not doing deliverance on you. 
I'm not afraid to shut it down. I'm not afraid to say it's it's wasting time because you will wrestle for hours, five, six hours, and not one demon will leave because the person wasn't in the right place to be delivered. If the conditions are not met for deliverance, the person will not get delivered and the demons don't have to leave. So you have to realize God recognizes free will and demons recognize free will. So if you don't want the demons to leave, the demons are not gonna leave. We don't force deliverance on people. We don't force people to get set free. We don't force people. It's like, imagine trying to force someone to get saved. Remember, salvation means deliverance. It means to be set free. It means to be delivered. So we can't force salvation on people. We can't force anyone to pray. We can't force anyone to read. We can't force anyone to fast. So this is something that God recognizes free will. Now, believe it or not, I'm gonna say something you're gonna learn as you do deliverance. Now, if you're a deliverance minister in here or an expert, I'm glad you're here. You're gonna agree with me on this statement that I'm about to say. Some people do not want their demons to leave. I'm telling you right now, I've had several occasions, not just one, several, where after one to two hours, the person said, it's, I don't want these demons to leave. I'm going to miss them. I know it's a very weird thing to think about. It's like when a woman, I think it's the Stockholm syndrome, when a woman falls in love with her abuser, we look at this and say, how could this woman be in love with someone that abused her? But this is what happens with demons. Some demons just get so attached to the person. Again, this is not something you're going to learn just from your church on Sunday, but you need to realize that demons weave their way into personalities. They weave their way, they connect into our minds, they connect into our personalities. They, they weave themselves so deep, they burrow themselves so deep into people that people actually build a bond with their demons. The Bible says that we are a home of the demon. Remember, Jesus said when a demon goes out, he says, I will go back to my home. So the demons consider us, us as bodies, according to Jesus, as their home. And so when a demon's been there a long time and it's decorated the house, come on, are you with me? It's gotten used to the house. The voice of the demon sounds similar to the person's thoughts. The person truly does become sad when the demon leaves. I'm telling you right now, I was dealing with one lady and after two and a half hours, she's like, I just don't want them to go because I'm so used to them. I don't know what I'll be without them. I'm so used to having them. I've had them all my life. And I had to tell her, I can't go on in the deliverance until you make a decision you don't want them. In about five minutes, I, I, she decided, you're right, you're right, they're destructive, they're destroying me. Because some demons, they seem innocent. They don't seem naturally destructive because they're waiting to do something destructive. They'll wait years. So some demons are like, like a demon of sadness. Someone's like, well, I kind of don't want that demon to leave me because you know it's sad to go. And it's like, you don't think it's that destructive, but every demon, write this down, every demon wants to destroy you. So even if it sounds like an innocent demon or it sounds like a nice demon, this is all stuff you're gonna deal with. Every single demon wants to destroy you. That is their goal. There's no nice demons. There's one spirit I was dealing with of religion. And the spirit was like, why can't I just stay? I make him read the Bible. I make him pray. This was a demon of religion. It was like, just let me stay. I make him do this. I make him. It was a spirit of religion that was making him live under the bondage of the law, under the bondage of having to do this to earn your salvation. And the guy, the guy always dealt with doubting his salvation because there was a spirit of religion. And the spirit's like, just let me stay. Just let me stay. I'm not doing any harm. And I'm like, no, you're not staying. So you need to understand demons will convince people they're there to help. I dealt with someone and the demon was helping the person connect 
to the spiritual realm. So the person thought the demon was helping them like pray and helping them connect to God. And the demon was also giving them information in the spirit realm. So it was showing them things in the spiritual realm. It was showing them, you know, like people's birthdays and words of knowledge, which was divination. And it was showing them future events. And it wasn't that it was, they, they were wrong things. It was showing them. It was the spirit was using divination. It was demonic. How many know fortune tellers could actually tell the fortune? They could, and that I actually do have divination power. It shows us this in the Bible. There's a fortune teller that Paul delivered. So understand they did have power. So the girl didn't want the demons to leave because she's like, if the demons leave me, I'm no longer going to have this spiritual power. And she felt as if she was going to lose her connection with God because she felt like the demon was helping her. She's like, it's not hurting me, but she didn't realize it was hurting her. It was a counterfeit spirit. So you need to look out for this because when you're dealing with people that don't want deliverance, this could be, I could save you right now a hundred hours because you'll deal with people that are like this and you'll realize they don't even want to be free. And if they don't want it, they're not going to get free. Sometimes a demon will also come into a person during a tragic time and give them a false sense of comfort. I've had people not want the demon to leave because the demon was there during a hard time and the person literally said like man this spirit has literally comforted me it was with me it would talk to me it would show me things it would i would daydream and i would see this spirit and it might not look evil but the spirit looked like a little boy or the demon spirit looked like a little girl and so they actually build a bond with the spirit now for all of you that are like this sounds crazy i don't know what you're talking about you'll know once you start casting up demons that this is the way spirits work and so this lady actually got comfortable with the spirit because she had it from a tragic event and she wanted it there and it comforted her. And I had to let her know the Holy Spirit is your comforter, not a demon. The power of God is your comforter, not a demon. There's people in the chat saying that was me. The Holy Spirit wants to bring you comfort. So don't let demons lie to you in deliverance. And write this down. Don't do deliverance on people who want their freedom, who you want their freedom more than they do. So if you're doing deliverance on someone and you want them to be set free more than they want to be set free, that's not someone you want to do deliverance on. It will be a, a, a massive waste of time working with people who don't truly want to be free. So if the conditions to deliverance are not met, this is things like unforgiveness. If there's unforgiveness, the demons are not going to leave. If there's they haven't renounced or repented, the demons are not going to leave. If their soul ties there, the demons can hang on to that. If there's occult objects in their possession, jewelry, the demons can hang on to that. If they genuinely don't want to be delivered, the demons will hang on to that. Like I've literally had times where the person's like, I want to be free. I want to be free. And the demon's like, no, she doesn't. And then 30 minutes go by and the person's like, ah, I actually don't really want to truly be free. Like I thought I did, but I really don't. And the demon knew she didn't. So the demons have a way of telling whether someone genuinely desires to be free. So you need to deal with these things before even calling the demons out. When we do mass deliverance, we deal with all of these things. Then we go out and we start praying deliverance over people. And the sad reality is some people prefer bondage over freedom because they're used to it. Now you say, Isaiah, I don't believe that. That's not scriptural. Let's look at the children of Israel. God brought them out of Egypt. What does the Bible say? It says that God delivered them from Egypt. God brought them out. This is a prophetic symbolism of deliverance. And the Bible says they were complaining, saying we had it better. God was giving them quail and manna. And they were saying, oh, we missed the leeks and the onions. And we missed the fruits and the vegetables of Egypt. They wanted to go back because they missed bondage. 
They miss somebody telling them what to do. It's like guys that get out of jail or prison. They don't know how to live because they're used to being in jail or prison and they're used to someone telling them what to do. And some people that don't want deliverance because they're so used to a spirit telling them how to live or a spirit telling them what to do that they feel like once they get delivered, they're not going to know what to do. So don't come at me saying that's not in the Bible. The children of Israel is a perfect story of people that God delivered and wanted to go back to their bondage. Believe it or not, there's many people in this world that want to go back to their demonic bondage, that choose bondage over freedom. So you'll spend hours with no progress. And as a leader, you need to be willing to stop the deliverance and say, I don't think you're ready to be delivered at this time, or I'll work with you again in the future, but you're not ready for deliverance. If I'm praying at the altar, I will straight up tell people or I'll move on if they're not ready for deliverance. Now, I don't believe every deliverance, let me just disclaimer, is supposed to be five minutes. I don't believe every deliverance is 10 minutes. I believe a lot of them can be if the person's ready. You guys saw people get delivered on Zoom and you saw other people on Zoom that didn't get delivered. And after you know 25 minutes, some deliverance happened, but not full deliverance happened because they weren't ready. We did what we can do. We applied the blood. We commanded the demons to leave. The demons that were had no legal right left. And for whatever reason, the other demons wouldn't leave in some people. I remember when I got delivered, my deliverance was 10 minutes. I had 11 or 12 spirits and it was only 10 minutes because I was ready for them to leave. I'd done everything. I didn't want them. And they just started coming out of me. So that's the goal. Again, we don't have to try to hurry it up. And I don't believe in fast, like five minutes only, but I don't want to doubt the power of God in the fact that Jesus can deliver people in five minutes. Okay. Mistake number three. I know we're an hour and 15 in, but we're going to keep going here. We're almost done. Mistake number three is giving up too early. This is the third mistake I always see in deliverance ministry. Let me just tell you this. Demons are professional at make you wasting, make, to make you waste time to prolong the deliverance so that you will give up first. Demons are incredibly, in fact, you got to remember because you have more power than demons, one of their only tactics is to try to tire you out. One of their only tactics is to try to withstand you and to make you waste time to prolong the deliverance. If you're doing a deliverance, don't spend three hours talking. Don't spend five hours talking even before the deliverance. Don't spend all this time going back and forth with the person or wearing the person out before the deliverance happens because it's a strategy for the demon to make you keep going on and on. I'll be in a deliverance and a demon is talking out of the person, whatever. And then I stop the deliverance. I'm talking to the person and the person will go on and on and on and on about random stuff. That's not relevant. And the Holy spirit will say, this is actually the demon speaking, trying to waste time. So don't run in circles, letting the demon waste your time. Cause their end goal is if they could withstand you and outlast you and discourage you and make you give up, they'll be able to stay in the person. It's like, if you own a house and you go to the renter and say, look, you need to get out of the house. You need to be out by tomorrow. And they're like, just give me one more week. I'll do anything. Give me one more month. And they keep giving you trouble. They don't want to leave. They don't want to leave. And you call the, you find that to call the sheriff's department. It's this big drawn out thing. They're just trying to see how much more time can we stay? How much more time can we be here? So this is what demons do. They're going to try to make you waste time. So be aware of that. Be careful when you're going off and following what they have to say, what they're trying to do, because they're going to try to make you waste time. They're going to try to make you do things that is not part of deliverance. Your goal is get the demons out. Now, if we're talking to a demon, our only goal is talking to them to try to find information to help us get them out. Why are they not leaving? How long have they been there? What are they still doing? They have a whole video I did a month ago or three weeks ago about 
rules of engagement, talking to demons. You can go watch that. But understand that we're trying to get the deliverance to happen, the demon out. We're not trying to have a conversation. We're not trying to go on and on and do entertainment so we get more views. Our goal is to get the demon out and we'll do whatever we need to do to get the demon out as fast as possible. So don't let the demon convince you or the person convince you um, of this or that or the demon's not going to leave. This is demonic, okay? Don't let the lies stop you from pressing through. Don't let the lies stop you from stop you from getting them delivered now i'm not talking about when someone isn't ready and you stop the deliverance i'm talking about when people are spiritually lazy or demons are buying time so you don't cast them out and one of the reasons why churches and pastors don't do deliverance is because deliverance is time consuming this is not coffee hour this is not soaking ministry this is warfare and so you have to be willing to withstand the pressing of the crowd. You have to be willing to sacrifice time, energy. There's no room for lazy people in deliverance ministry. There's no room for lazy people in natural war. And there's no room for lazy people in spiritual war. Natural war is time consuming. Natural war costs resource and effort. And so does spiritual warfare. So Christians that always want the easy way out, they're not going to be effective in deliverance ministry. They're not going to be effective in doing deliverance. It takes time. Deliverance is extremely time consuming. Um, it's, it's not just going to be an instant thing. In Acts 16, 18, the Bible talks about when Paul was casting a demon out of a girl, it came out within the hour. So it wasn't an instant deliverance. It took within an hour. It's also not just going to take time. It's going to take energy. Deliverance takes an incredible amount of energy. I'm tired right now because I cast demons out of over 20 people yesterday. It's incredible amount of energy. It's in, it's tiring. We'd rather just end the service so we can all get to Applebee's after and get to the buffet after. And we don't want to spend our time doing deliverance, especially when we're not getting paid for it. We're not making money. So we're like, why would I do this? Deliverance is time consuming. It takes energy. In Mark 6, 31, it says, because so many people were coming and going, they didn't even have a chance to eat. And he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. The disciples were so busy preaching, doing miracles, casting out demons, they didn't even get a chance to eat. So there's going to be times where you have to sacrifice events with family, sacrifice eating, sacrifice your energy, sacrifice your time for deliverance ministry. So you need to understand this is extremely, and it takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of patience. There's a lot of people that it's like, some of them want it for attention. Some of them are just stubborn and you need to be patient. The way that the Lord was patient with you, you need to be patient with people. Don't rush people, okay? People say like in my call-ins, like you're so patient. We need to be patient. People are all in different places. They come from different backgrounds. And it's very important that you are patient with people. People that need more than one deliverance. People that take longer or people that need to be encouraged or they can't retain their deliverance. You need to be patient and you need to be dedicated. This ministry is not for those that are lukewarm, not for those that are back and forth, not for those that have one foot in and one foot out. This is for those that are dedicated to the work of God, that are willing to put time, energy, and effort. We have over 55 hours right now on YouTube of deliverance training. That's some dedication, y'all. It has taken hundreds of hours of studying, of praying, of preparing, of getting things together, of getting scriptures together, of getting notes down to be able to teach 55 plus hours of deliverance ministry. If I was lazy, if I didn't want to put the time in, and if I wasn't dedicated to the ministry God has given me, then I wouldn't have been able to teach 55 hours. I'm dedicated to this. I'm dedicated to you guys. If I don't show up, it's because I'm sick or it's because I'm gone. But I make sure that I'm here Monday, Tuesday, Friday. I miss maybe two to three live streams in the entire year. 
maybe two to three in the entire year. Why? Because if we want to be a part of this ministry, if we want God to take us serious, we need to be dedicated because the Bible says that much is given, much is required. So we can't sit back and just have this loose mentality where if God wants to do it, God's going to do it. We need to be dedicated to whatever it is that God is calling us to do. Okay, number four, mistake. And I'll go through these really quick. Give me like five to 10 more Pentecostal minutes. Number four is not utilizing spiritual weapons. That's number four. I see this all the time and we'll go through all these again at the end. I know Ryan will probably post them there at the end as well. Number four is not utilizing spiritual weapons. God has given us spiritual weapons when it comes to deliverance and many people don't use them. We've been given defensive armor, the armor of God and offensive weapons. One of our main weapons, I'll just go through some of them, is using the name of Jesus. This is vital. I just saw a very popular deliverance minister recently and they never use the name of Jesus. And I'm like, you need to use the name of Jesus. That's what the demons respond to. Demons are not listening to you because of what you did. They're listening to you because of what Jesus did. And when we use the name of Jesus, use the authority and the power of Jesus, this is what the demons respond to. They don't respond to in Isaiah's name. They don't respond to in the name of whatever. They respond to the name of Jesus. They don't care how anointed you are. They don't care how gifted you are. They don't care how much you think you know. Demons respond to the name of Jesus. They respond to the power of Jesus and the authority of Jesus. All right, another weapon. This is gonna, this is gonna be one you've probably never heard before. Another weapon is making eye contact. I can't explain this fully, but demons absolutely hate, and I'll make eye contact as I say this, okay. Demons absolutely hate when you make eye contact. If you're wondering why when I'm doing deliverance, I always say, look at me, or I say, look me in the eye, is because for whatever reason, I don't know what demons see when they look at us. I don't know if it's light, but it hurts them to look at us. It actually hurts the demons to look at us. So you wanna make sure that if you can, if you're struggling or a deliverance stalls out or a demon's not manifesting, I have had, I just did a deliverance like two weeks ago and the girl was not manifesting. We prayed for her. Nothing was happening. And she's like, I know I need deliverance. I've manifested before. I'm, I'm tormented. I need it. Right. I sat her down. We were at the altar. I sat down or I got down and I looked her right in the eyes and I said, Satan, and some of you are going to manifest right now, but I said, Satan, I know you're there. I can see you come up and out now in Jesus name. And immediately the demon's like, no, and starts manifesting. And I, and it, it didn't want to look at me. Demons hate looking at you. So you making eye contact, it'll make them surface. It'll make them angry. And it lets them know that you're not afraid of them. I'm not afraid of you, devil. Look me in the eye when I'm talking to you. I am not afraid of you. Because remember, it's not them. It's the demon that you're talking to. So don't be afraid. Don't be embarrassed or shy. I come into deliverance bold. I'm not afraid of offending them. I'm not afraid of saying something that's going to be, oh man, I'm scared to say this. Or no, I take authority. I confront demons. I call them out. I command them to come up. I look them in the eye and I cast them out in Jesus name. So write that down. Make eye contact. Okay. Anointing oil. Demons absolutely hate anointing oil. If you're not using anointing oil, then you're you're missing. You're missing out. Try this out. This is an awesome weapon. Yes, yeah, someone said the eyes are the window of the soul. Exactly. And the demons dwell in the flesh, dwell in the soul. And this helps you also discern demons. But you need anointing oil. So all you need to do, get some extra virgin olive oil, some olive oil, doesn't matter. Get some oil, pray that God will bless it and set it apart as anointing oil. The demons absolutely hate it. Now it's not the power in the oil. It's the fact that the oil is blessed. The oil has the power of God. It's like handkerchiefs. Acts chapter 19, they were doing miracles. People that had handkerchiefs were touching the handkerchiefs and demons were coming out, touching the handkerchiefs and they were getting healed. It was a contact point in active faith. Okay. Angels, this is a big one. I don't know why this is a big mistake. You're not using angels in deliverance. If you're not using angels, you need to. Now, let me make this very clear. 
We don't command angels, okay? We don't command angels. We ask the Father to send angels to help us. So we're not out there being like, you angel, we're not bossing them around. I have an hour and a half teaching on angels. If you wanna check it out, it's called Angels Among Us. I go through all the types of angels in scripture. We're not bossing angels around. The angels do not work for us. As Vlad would say, they're on God's payroll, not our payroll. So they're not working for us, but we could ask God to send them to help us. We could ask the Father, Jesus said, could I not send 12 legions of angels to come right now and help me? So we could ask the Father to send angels to help us in deliverance. Psalms 91.11, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. Hebrews 1.14, are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who will inherit salvation? So they serve us. That's what angels do. Psalms 103.20, bless the Lord, O his angels, his mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. So what do the angels do? They obey the voice voice of God and they do the work and they do his word. Exodus 23, 20, behold, I'll send an angel before you to guard you on the way and to bring you to the place I prepared. So God will send angels out before you to help you in deliverance. Acts 5, 19, but during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out. So angels also could deliver us. Hebrews 1, 7, of the angels, he says, he makes angels winds and his ministers flames of fire. So angels will help you. Angels will torment demons. Sometimes when you're dealing with a stubborn demon, ask the Lord to send the angels to torment the demons. Oh, you want it the 55 hours? Go to my YouTube channel. I have a playlist called Fighting Demons. I have over 55 hours on that playlist and on my channel of deliverance. You can find, I've, I have almost 400 videos there. So you can go ahead and find the videos on the channel here of all these deliverance things. Okay, armor of God. You need to be using the armor of God. I don't know why people are not doing this. They're not praying this. Just pray the armor of God, memorize the armor of God. This is your weapon to stand against the enemy. I put the armor of God on every morning but I also put it on before bed. I put it on before deliverance. I just pray, Lord, put the armor of God on me. Helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, shoes of peace, belt of truth, shield of faith, sword of the spirit. I put on the armor of God. It's not complicated. I taught you guys a million times. How do you use the sword of the spirit? With your words. You wield the sword of the spirit with words. You put on the armor of God with words. So we have power with our words to put on the armor of God. So make sure you're using on the full armor of God, um, praying in the spirit on all occasions, the power of agreement. This is major when doing deliverance. Don't make this mistake. If you're doing deliverance, have one person leading, but if you're trying to get a demon out, everyone come together and command it to go at once because there's power in agreement. Matthew 18, 19. Again, I say that if two of you agree on, some, uh, agree on earth concerning anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. So if you agree on something, God says, I'm going to respond because there's power in agreement. Praise is another weapon. Psalms 8, 2. It says, through the praise of children and infants, you've established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. So praise, silence is the enemy, silence is the avenger, silence is the foe. Make sure you use praise. If you're stuck in a deliverance, turn on some praise music, start praising, start worshiping, and it's going to torment the demons. Also, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are a major weapon. Words of knowledge are going to help you when deliverance stalls out. Word of wisdom is going to help you make decisions and utilize a battle plan. Discerning of spirits is going to help you discern what spirits are there and how they're functioning. So use the gifts of the Holy Spirit when doing deliverance ministry. Okay. Those are the four major mistakes. The four major. Now there's 
50 other ones, but those are the four most common and the four major. Ryan, if you could put those uh, those four, if you have them on hand in the chat, these are major when it comes to deliverance. We're gonna pray right now. I know many of you need freedom, you need breakthrough, and we're gonna pray right now in Jesus' name that God would bring deliverance, that God would bring freedom, that God would bring his fire. It's been an hour and a half. How many, type one if it went by, well, I shouldn't say type one because Ryan's about to type here, but it went by super quick, guys. We're gonna keep doing these deliverance trainings, deliverance sessions, but right now is the most important part where we pray, Father, we ask you tonight, in Jesus' name, that you would raise up and that you would equip every single person in this broadcast to not make these mistakes, to understand the power that they have in you, the power that they have in Christ. We ask you, Holy Spirit, right now, that you would put the full armor of God on every single one of us. Lord, that we are stronghold destroyers, that we are spiritual snipers, that we are warriors in the army of God. And I speak over you right now that there is no witch, there is no warlock, there is no power of the enemy that can stop the power of God, that can stop what the Holy Spirit is doing. But right now, God is doing a new thing. We speak breakthrough right now. We speak deliverance right now. We speak healing right now. I command every demonic spirit to come up and out in Jesus' name. Every demonic spirit that's lingering, that's hindering you, I say, come up now. Come up through their throat, out of their mouth in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray right now that you would deliver your people right now. We command you to be free now. Satan, you have no power. You have no, you have no uh, strategy. You have no strength. We come against you now, Satan, in Jesus' name, and we speak deliverance. We speak breakthrough. We speak healing. We pray the anointing of God right now. Lord, use every one of them as deliverance ministers. I pray that God would bring people to you that need deliverance. I pray God would bring people to you that are in bondage, that God would open up the door, that God would give you strategy. For those of you that don't have, don't have confidence, God is saying tonight, I'm gonna give you confidence. I'm gonna give you boldness, that God has not given you the spirit of timidity, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. So I pray the power of the Holy Spirit be released right now. I pray the power of healing be released right now. I pray the power of God, if, you're not, if you've not been baptized in the Holy Ghost, I pray right Right now be baptized in Jesus name be baptized by the power of the Holy Ghost by the anointing of the Holy Spirit thank you Lord that you're delivering thank you Lord that you're healing thank you Lord that mass deliverance is taking place that demons are leaving people right now in Jesus name I pray over marriages some of you out there right now I hear the Lord saying I hear the Spirit of God saying your marriage is in shambles you've been having chaos in the house and right now I pray Lord that you would restore marriages if that's for you type one and that you would restore marriages in Jesus name I pray that there will be no divorce in Jesus name I pray that you would change the husband's heart I pray that you would change the wife's heart I pray for some of you that have fallen out of love that God would restore the love right now God would respark I've seen him do this supernatural by the power of the Holy Ghost God that you would respark the love in Jesus name you would rekindle the fire in Jesus name look at all these people restore these marriages Lord we believe God we pray Lord that you would bring healing over these marriages that you would restore these marriages that you would renew these marriages right now in Jesus name Satan you cannot have our marriages leave our marriage in Jesus name there's no room for you come on tell the enemy there is no room for you in our marriage we come against anger we come against abuse we come against unbelief and doubt and religion. And we say, Satan, you have no power in our marriages. Leave now in Jesus' name. Leave now in Jesus' name. Father, heal hearts right now. If you've gone through abuse in your marriage, Lord, I pray heal hearts right now. If there's broken trust, if that trust has been broken, I pray that the power of God would come and restore that trust and would heal you, would renew you, would break all the shame 
all the guilt and condemnation. It is not God's will that you divorce. Someone needs to hear this tonight. Come on, this is prophetic. It's not God's will that you divorce. But I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would restore right now in Jesus' name. You would break addiction right now. If you have addiction happening, type one, we break it now in Jesus' name. Nicotine addiction, alcohol addiction, video game addiction, Netflix and movie addiction, TikTok addiction. Come on, drug addiction right now. We break it in Jesus' name. We come against every spirit of addiction now. You have no power. You have no place. The Lord rebukes you, Satan, and we come against addiction now. And we just pray the fire of God and the power of the Holy Spirit to come over you right now. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord, that you're breaking addiction right now. Thank you, God, that you're removing toxic relationships out of our life. You're removing toxic plans out of our life. You're breaking strategies. You're breaking assignments. You're breaking, come on, food addiction, energy drink, coffee addiction. Whatever it is, God is breaking it right now. Be loose now. Be loose now in Jesus' name. Be loose now in Jesus' name. Leave these people, Satan. You have no power. I thank you, God, that you're breaking chains. You're breaking shackles. I see the Lord opening prison doors right now. I see God opening prison doors. He's saying, come out of that prison. Father, we just pray right now that sickness would go, that you would bring healing, you'd bring restoration, and you'd bring renewal from the top of their head to the soles of their feet. I pray every nerve, every uh, tendon, every ligament would be healed and restored right now, that the power of God would touch you right now. Lord, this is not my power. This is your power. So I pray, Lord, do what only you can do in Jesus' mighty name. Do what only you can do in Jesus' mighty name. Bring healing in our bodies, backs, hips, necks, wherever it's at. Lay your hand on wherever it's at. And I say, be healed right now. Go sickness in Jesus' name. Go sickness in Jesus' name. Go sickness in Jesus' name. You must go, Satan. Sickness can't stay any longer. Sickness can't stay any longer. Back pain, hernias, go in Jesus' name. Addiction, go in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray you'd release your power. I pray you'd release your anointing right now. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do in Jesus' name. Healing, come forth. Healing, come forth. Thank you, Lord, that you're bringing healing right now. Thank you, God, that you're restoring the mind. You're restoring the mind. Those of you that have just mental battles, confusion in your mind, all these different things. The doctors say, oh, it's a mental this or mental illness this, mental illness that. The God that could heal physical illness could also heal mental illness and could deliver you in your mind. So every spirit attached to the mind, up and out now, go in Jesus' name. Out of their mouth, into the abyss you go now. Into the abyss you go now in Jesus' name. Come off the mind right now. Depression, anxiety, fear. Go now. Those of you that have COVID, I see you in the chat. We say be healed in Jesus' name. Be healed in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, that you're freeing people from OCD. Thank you, Lord, that you're freeing people from multiple uh, personality disorder, DID. Lord, that you're delivering them, that demons leaving them, sickness is leaving them, illness is leaving them, that there is freedom in Jesus' mighty name. There is power in Jesus' mighty name. God, that you could do what only you can do. Have your way right now, Holy Ghost. Have your way. Freedom in Jesus' name. Leave now, Satan. Leave now, Satan. Every spiritual spouse, go now. Every demon that comes on you at night, go now. Every spirit that takes advantage of you at night, go now. We command you to go in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray you'd break every curse, every spell, every hex by the blood of Jesus is broken now. God, and I ask you that you would do what only you can do. Over every person listening, Holy Spirit, 
Just begin to move right now and do what only you can do. Begin to move right now and do what only you can do. Have your way, Holy Spirit. Have your way, Holy Spirit. Lord, deliver. Lord, heal. We ask you, send your mighty angels, God, to touch these people in Jesus' mighty name. Right now, angels are being released into your home. Angels are being released into your business, into your job, into your family. Right now, in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, have your way right now. Father, we thank you for the work that you're doing. We thank you, God. We say, have your way in Jesus' name. Do what only you can do and touch your people. Come on, let's give the Lord a praise tonight. Give the Lord a praise. Tonight's been a powerful night, guys. I'm not getting off here yet. I want to challenge every one of you, if you are blessed tonight, to sow into the ministry. I'm not forcing you. We're not charging you. This is 100% free. But if you feel led to give, if you if it blessed you. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. If you like what you heard, go to www.isaiahsaldivar.com for more content. And please follow me on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Isaiah Saldivar. See you next week.